0: Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Thanks for checking out the only show
1: in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. We've got a lot of information for you on this week's show in segment three. We're going to take a look at the TV ratings for the AFC and the NFC Championship games, as well as preview the big business behind Super Bowl 43 next weekend in Tampa. From the cost of a 30-second TV spot on NBC during the game to the estimated amount of tortilla chips consumed during the big game, we'll have some interesting tidbits for you. That's coming up in Segment 3. In Segment 4, Barack Obama became the 44th President of the United States this week. We'll examine his likely impact on the world of sports, as well as tell you about some companies that are creating Barack Obama gear in honor of his inauguration this past week. couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. We have a Facebook page. Become our Facebook friend. We've got a lot of them from all over the world, and we'd love to have you as our friend. So go to our website, and you can learn how to link to our Facebook page. I'm joined in studio by Nathan Roach. Nathan, Arizona and Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl, as we've talked in weeks past, missing are the Tom Brady's and the Peyton Manning's. You've got Kurt Warner and Ben Roethlisberger, who some fans know, but uh, these are not big market teams. And you don't have a case like last year where you had the number one media market, New York represented with the Giants and then New England going for a perfect season. So not nearly the storylines that we had with last year's Super Bowl.
2: Well, I think the nice thing about it is it's the Super Bowl. It's not the NBA Finals. It's not the World Series. The Super Bowl always draws the casual fan, the fan that doesn't normally watch football. My wife, for example, will watch the Super Bowl because of the commercials, because of the entertainment factor. So, yes, ratings may hurt, but the Super Bowl is always going to draw big numbers for that reason.
1: Well, and because, like you just mentioned, your wife will tune in. It's a social gathering. People get together. They gather around 36% of the people who tune in to watch the Super Bowl. They don't even care about the game. They just watch for the commercials. So a lot of people watch for the commercials. Some people watch for the party they're at. I agree with you. I think people will tune into the beginning of the game, but it'll be interesting to see if it's not a compelling game. Will people stick around and, and watch it all the way through? More financial news this week. More companies falling on hard times, and it's got big impact on the world of sports. We'll tell you about that. That's coming up in headlines. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships.
0: Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger.
1: It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, more signs of a bad economy. Insurance giant American International Group, otherwise known as AIG, will not renew its shirt sponsorship of World Club soccer champions Manchester United and has already started cutting back costs in relation to the existing deal. The deal is up next May. It's a four-year, $100 million deal. Now, let's not forget, AIG averted bankruptcy in September last year with an $85 million federal bailout, which later swelled to about $152 billion. Nathan, yet another example. You know, we've talked about Merrill Lynch, AIG, many companies. We see Microsoft hit hard this week. Many companies are really feeling it, and anyone who's sponsoring sports properties, and this was a very expensive investment for AIG,
2: they're cutting back. Well, not only that, but I mean, I would argue that Manchester United is the biggest sports team in the world. I mean, there's the Yankees, the Lakers, but internationally... Manchester United is by far the biggest, and again, just like you said, this is one example, and I think we'll just continue to see this over time of big teams losing their big sponsors. So
1: it will be interesting to see who replaces AIG on that shirt, because like you said, Nathan, this is probably one of the most visible jerseys of any sports club in the world. It is kind of like, I, you know, for people here listening in the United States, I would compare Manchester United to the New York Yankees, and you're going to get worldwide visibility, so what company... Has a hundred million dollars or so to step up and fill this void.
2: Now, just to be clear, it sounds like AIG is gonna is no longer going to go forward with the Jersey deal, but they are still going to be a sponsor for Manchester United. Is that correct? Uh, I think so. But you know, again,
1: here is a company that just had you know one hundred fifty two billion dollar bailout. I don't know that they're going to be spending a whole lot of money on any kind of sports sponsorships. Our next headline, also soccer related. ESPN and Major League Soccer have agreed to end their regular Thursday night telecast on ESPN2 this season after two years of anemic ratings that started low and finished even lower. This is according to the Sports Business Journal this week. So instead, ESPN2 is going to carry an MLS game of the week, which will air on four different nights during the season. The weekly matches will occur on Thursdays, Saturdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Now, It's interesting, Nathan. The ratings have been very poor. We had Don Garber, the commissioner of Major League Soccer, on late last year. He talked about how for many years Major League Soccer couldn't find a broadcast partner who, A, had good distribution, and B, would actually pay them a rights fee to broadcast their games. We see the NFL makes billions, not millions, billions of dollars off of their TV rights deal. So anytime you have a TV rights deal go sour like the NHL did a few
2: years ago, it really hurts your league. Well, yeah, and this is a real blow to the MS- MLS. We've been talking about this for a while, how they've been kind of on the up and up, and now ESPN plans to schedule matches after college football, NIT basketball, the College World Series, motorsports, and US-, U.S. Open tennis, in hopes that people viewing those particular events will stay tuned and watch the MLS soccer game. ESPN is entering the third year of an eight-year rights deal
1: that pays Soccer United marketing $8 million annually for the rights to MLS and U.S. Soccer Federation matches. Our next headline, Miami Dolphins co-owner Stephen Ross this week closed on his purchase of an additional 45% stake in the team from co-owner Wayne Huizenga. It's part of a $1.1 billion deal that gives Ross a 95% share in the team and the title of managing general partner. This is according to the Miami Herald. Huizenga will retain a 5% stake in the team and will also have a stake in Dolphin Stadium and the land around the stadium. Uh, this is interesting because, as we've talked in past weeks, Bill Parcells, when he came as president of football operations to the Dolphins, he made his deal with Wayne Hyzenga. He's got a clause in his contract that says if there's a change in ownership, which now there has been, he has 30 days to get out of his deal. Well, the clock is ticking on his 30 days, I guess, he and Ross will probably sit down, he'll see what kind of vibe he's getting, and if he doesn't like the vibe,
2: Bill Parcells becomes the biggest tuna, so to speak, in the offseason market. Well, yeah, and Ross is leaving the entire front office intact in right now, and that that's a good move because the Dolphins, obviously, as we've seen this year, had a fantastic year, and you want to hold on to Bill Parcells, so now the ball is in Bill Parcells' court. Yeah, Tony
1: Sperano is the coach he handpicked and brought from Dallas and one of the biggest turnarounds in NFL history going from 1-15 and to 11-5, and so Dolphins definitely on the upswing. You hope that uh, they can keep things intact there in Miami if you're a Dolphins fan. Our next headline, DeMaurice Smith, a high-profile attorney uh, and former assistant U.S. attorney from D.C., is the mystery ninth candidate who was interviewed earlier this week for the position of NFL Players Association Executive Director. That's according to sources. He's in contention with former players Troy Vincent, Trace Armstrong, Jim Covert, and Ben Utt. and they're being considered as a replacement for the late Gene Upshaw. The list of candidates is expected to be cut again over the next few weeks, and three or four candidates are expected to be giving presentations to the 32 NFL player reps in Maui in March, so... This is all starting to come to a head. The NFL Players Association, arguably the strongest players association of any league in America, they're without a leader. This is a critical decision for them going
2: forward. Well, Nathan. not only that, there's these are some big shoes to fill. And we've talked about this in the past on the show. There's the possibility lingering in the future of a work stoppage for the NFL. So not only are there big shoes to fill with Gene Upshaw, but you're going to have a lot of work to do the minute you get into that role.
1: Well, and then you've got the squabbles between the – NFL Players Association, the current players, and the NFL Retired Players Association. So whoever takes over the reins from Gene Upshaw is going to have a lot of items on their plate to cover on day one. Our next headline, NBA owners have reversed a longtime ban on courtside advertising by spirits brands in an effort to drive revenue during the economic downturn. This according to the Sports Business Journal this week. The NBA also is crafting policies that would allow teams to offer hard liquor advertising on team websites, point-of-sale retail locations, or in-arena promotions. Those decisions are expected shortly. Now, this is interesting because the last time that NBA teams were able to uh, have hard liquor sponsors for their teams was 1991. So we're talking a long time ago, and the owners have said, look, if we can go out and get a few more $100,000 to add to our our revenues, we need to do this. And you know the one industry that seems to still have money to spend on sports advertising is the hard liquor industry.
2: Yeah, there's still a lot of people drinking right now, especially even with, in this climate. Yeah, exactly. So you know we've been getting we've be, we've begun to see more of this take place just on TV alone. You and I have talked about it. As far as beer is concerned with NCAA, I don't know that this is such a bad move. I was actually surprised to see that it hadn't been visible since 1991. So you know anything you can do to kind of help support. NBA franchise, I think, is a good move. Yeah, there are hard liquor sponsors for NBA teams, but they're mostly
1: in back-of-house areas, not places like courtside signage and on a team website. So we'll keep our eyes on this story because it's pretty interesting. Our last headline of the week, Burger King has signed a multi-year deal to sponsor Stuart Haas Racing beginning with the upcoming NASCAR Sprint Cup season. Per the deal, QSR will serve as the primary sponsor of the number 14 Chevy driven by Tony Stewart. At the July 4th, Coke Zero 400 at Daytona International Speedway and the September 27th, Dover 400 at Dover International Speedway. Additionally, Burger King will become the exclusive QSR of Eldora Speedway, the dirt track uh, Tony Stewart owns in Ohio. The deal is valued at $2.8 million. So we talked at the beginning of headlines about companies cutting back. Burger King, they're getting in with an investment. They don't spend a ton of money on sports advertising. But here's a a creative way for them to try and get some market share from the many NASCAR fans.
2: Hopefully they won't stick that scary Burger King character's face on the car or anywhere around it. I think Tony Stewart should ride around the track with that hat on. Oh, man, that thing terrifies me. He'd probably have an accident. All right,
1: coming up next, we're going to break down the business of Super Bowl 43. We'll be doing that this week and next week as we approach February 1st in Tampa. We're going to give you the ratings from the AFC and NFC championship games. We'll talk about how much a spot will cost advertisers on NBC for the big game. We'll even give you some stats like how many tortilla chips are consumed during the Super Bowl. Then in segment four, we're going to look at the inauguration of Barack Obama, the 44th president of the United States, and talk about how he's likely to impact the sports world. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio, stick around.
0: <laughs> or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. What were the terms that got that big deal done? These guys know Sports Business Radio. We are back, Brian Berger,
1: Nathan Roach, and our producer, Bobby Corser. And we want to spend this segment talking about Super Bowl 43 and some of the big business around the Super Bowl. But before we do that, let's look back last weekend on the NFC and the AFC Championship games, and give you some TV ratings. The Eagles-Cardinals NFC Championship game on Fox, it earned a 24 rating. That's down 12.4% from the Chargers-Patriots-AFC Championship on CBS in the same time slot last year. Uh, The game is also down 24.3% from the Giants-Packers NFC Championship last year in the late window. On CBS, the Ravens-Steelers AFC Championship earned a 23.8. That's down 24.9% from the Giants-Packers in the late window in 08 and 13.1% from the AFC Championship featuring the Chargers and the Patriots last year. Nathan, the thing that's interesting here is, again, we don't have Tom Brady. We don't have Peyton Manning. If you look back at the last five or six years, one of the two of them has been in most every Super Bowl. I know we had the Seahawks and Steelers a few years ago with Ben Roethlisberger, who's going to be in the Super Bowl again this year. But what this shows me is when you don't have big markets and you don't have household names, people aren't as interested in championship games, and these TV numbers reflect that. So it makes me wonder... What are the ratings going to be like for the Super Bowl on NBC?
2: Well, and the other thing you don't have is you don't have a compelling story. Not only did you have Brady and a Manning in the Super Bowl last year, but you also had the Patriots going for a perfect season. So talk about drawing in the casual fan. you got two giant household names, and you've got history in the making. So that was the perfect storm, if you will, and certainly that's not present here this year, and we're definitely going to see a decline in ratings.
1: Now, the NFL playoff ratings overall – Not just last weekend, but overall, down 11% from 2008. Again, many of the same reasons. We don't have, you know, Brett Favre and the Packers went deep into the playoffs last year. Eli Manning went deep into the playoffs. Big market teams from Boston and from New York in the playoffs last year. We don't have that this year. We've got a lot of upsets. You have a few six seeds. You had a four seed. You know, Philadelphia was really the only big market that made it to the Final Four. What is interesting and what will be interesting to watch is the Arizona Cardinals. Phoenix, decent-sized market, top-10 market. But uh, will people tune in to watch Cinderella? I mean, a lot of people compare the Cardinals to the Chicago Cubs. Now, Chicago Cubs have a long history of not making it to the World Series. You know, you could argue that the Cardinals are even less relevant than the Cubs have been. At least the Cubs are on WGN. And there's a lot of Cubs fans around the country. The Cardinals, no one's wanted to take ownership of this team. Heck, they hadn't played a home playoff game in 61 years before this year. So this is a remarkable story. How many people are going to tune in and watch the Super Bowl and say, Hey, I want to see David Slay Goliath here and see this team that had really been the NFL's
2: version of the Bad News Bears for the last six decades finally win a Super Bowl. I think more people will tune in to see that, maybe even see Kurt Warner take it down for another Super Bowl. And the the thing is, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they have a history. They're a historical team. The Steel Curtain of the days of old. So the Steelers, I think, have at least a little bit of historical significance. The Cardinals, on the other hand, are the Cinderella team. But I personally want to see Kurt Warner take it to the house for this one. Well, here's the thing with the Steelers. Try this on for size. There have been
1: 43 Super Bowls. This will be 43. Of the 43 Super Bowls, the Pittsburgh Steelers have appeared in seven, more than any other NFL team. You could make an argument that the Pittsburgh Steelers are the best run sports organization in North American sports, period. Not just the NFL, but of any sports organization. They are going for more Super Bowl wins than any other team in the history of the NFL. So yeah, there is uh, an excellence ring around the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, you know, they're kind of the gold standard of the NFL. They're one of those teams that you put in the same class with the 49ers, with the Cowboys, teams that have won multiple Super Bowls. And so there's a little bit of history here that we could be witnessing with the Steelers. Uh, let's talk about some specifics with the game. NBC is going to be broadcasting the game. They'll probably have like a, a 15-hour pregame show. <laughs> Once the game actually starts, though, and you start seeing the 30-second spots, they're going to be going for a record record. million. Last year, they were sold for $2.7 million. To put this in perspective, everybody, the first Super Bowl, 30-second spots, $42,000. So Super Bowl one, forty two thousand $42,000 for a 30-second spot. Today, $3 million for a spot. Now, there are companies that are jumping off the Super Bowl spot bandwagon as we speak because of the poor economy, but Anheuser-Busch, Nathan, is not one of them. We hope to have someone from Anheuser-Busch on our show next week. Last year, they spent $18 million on Super Bowl spots. There are some companies that don't have $18 million as a marketing budget for their entire year. This
2: year, they're probably going to have at least three spots, and uh, what are some of the things they have planned? Well, you know, I think some of the fans will be disappointed. Some of the Bud Light, Budweiser fans will be disappointed because apparently it sounds as if they're not going to go the direction with the slapstick humor like we've seen and talked about by the water cooler on Monday morning. They're going a different direction this year. They're going to have some emotional pieces with the Clydesdale horses and some fun you know, lighthearted pieces. The only funny one that they've actually talked about launching is with one of my favorite late night personalities. Conan O'Brien is apparently going to be in a humorous Budweiser spot. Uh, so, And it's his first commercial ever. So it'll be interesting to see how Conan does in this spot. But, you know, I'm a little disappointed to hear that because I've always looked forward to the Budweiser spots. They've always been the best ones. They're always the ones that win the award. Monday morning, we read about the best commercials USA so, Today Ad Meter. So it'll be interesting to see how good they are. And uh, I'm sure we'll cover it after the Super Bowl is over.
1: Yeah, and again, we hope to talk to someone from Anheuser-Busch on next week's show. Coca-Cola is going to air three ads during the third quarter of NBC's broadcast of the Super Bowl on February 1st. The company's flagship drink will be advertised with both a 30-second and a 60-second spot, while Coke Zero will have one 30-second ad. This is the first time that Coke Zero is getting into the game and there's rumors that the Coke Zero ad will feature Pittsburgh Steelers safety Troy Polamalu, who's going to be playing in the game, and that the ad may kind of be a little bit of a takeoff or reminiscent of the 1979 classic Coke ad in which Mean Joe Green tosses his jersey to a young fan who gave him a Coke. It'll be interesting. I mean, here's my feelings on this. Anytime you can like do a takeoff of your own ad, it's interesting to try, uh, I think Troy Polamalo is is good. I haven't seen him in any commercials, so I don't know if he's a good actor. Um, he's recognizable, though. That's, he is that's recognizable, key. but the thing is, here's my point. That Mean Joe Green ad is a classic ad, and many people have voted it the best Super Bowl ad of all time. And I hope they don't mess with it too much because you don't want to make a mockery of of your old ad. You kind of, you know—
2: that's its own ad. Don't try and get too cutesy with us, Coke. Well, I don't want to date myself, but that ad was actually a year before I was born. Oh God! But I'm I have seen that ad numerous times, so that just shows yeah, you just going to YouTube, young YouTube. guy. I mean, it's it's a very famous ad, and uh, it's going to be interesting. I love Bobby's Troy probably Paul never Mall. seen
1: it either. Bobby was just born like what fourteen years ago. Ooh. Bobby's <laughs> like the the boy genius running our our system here. So you know, a lot of ads that we talk about, he's never. Uh, He's never seen him. Do you know who uh, John F. Kennedy is? Have you ever heard? Okay. Bobby's nodding yes. All right. Here's the other thing that we talk about when we talk about Super Bowls. You talk about the economic impact on the city that it's going to be staged in. And Tampa is the host city this year. People are estimating that Tampa and the surrounding cities, $300 million in economic impact. Again, I can't say enough about what that means to a U.S. city In these horrible economic times, if you're a city like Tampa and you can bring in three hundred million dollars in basically a week, that's going to like save your whole year. Every U.S. city would love to have that for uh, for an
2: economic impact. Well, I want to know who the people are that are able to continue to spend all the money to go to the Super Bowl every year. We talk on this show and I'm sure we'll talk about it next week. What tickets are going for on StubHub tens of thousands of dollars for box seats or, you know, you know. Field seats. I mean, it's ridiculous. Who are these people? Well, the one thing I will say is this. You know,
1: I'm from Phoenix and I talked to some of my friends from Phoenix. The Cardinals have never even sniffed the Super Bowl. So there's a lot of people from Arizona that are going to go and see the Cardinals in the Super Bowl. If it's old hat like some of these other teams, then maybe you don't go. But I will say this Pittsburgh reminds me of like a, a college fan base. They travel well, as they would say, in bowl season. So just like in Detroit a few years ago, the Steeler fans were out in force, and I think they're going to be out again this year, but I think a lot of Cardinals fans will make the trip from Phoenix. Hey, it's still in a sunny area, Tampa, <laughs> so they don't have to like worry, worry to about a, their tan. Right. They can still go to a cold, uh, a warm location. It's not a cold location, but I think there's going to be a demand for Super Bowl tickets. Now, the thing that a lot of people don't know is it's hard to get a Super Bowl ticket And it's hard, especially if you're not a sponsor. Most of the tickets to like all star games, Pro Bowls, World Series, and especially the Super Bowl go to your corporate sponsors. So if you're looking for a ticket to the game, I told some friends this week in Phoenix, go find someone who's an NFL sponsor or who's a sponsor of one of the teams that's in the game,
2: because that's where all the tickets are going to be going. Well, I think that you're going to see more Steelers fan than you are Arizona. I mean, there may be some people make the trip over there, but I just think the fan base for Steelers are, is way too big. You're going to see a lot of terrible towels out there. All right, last item of the week. I thought this was kind of fun.
1: M&Ms. They're doing a customized team logo M&M for all 32 teams, and they're going to be coming out just in time for the Super Bowl. So, if you like M and M's, if you're a chocaholic like I am, and you want to try some uh, some new candies for the uh, the big Super Bowl, uh, go grab some M and M's. No, they're not paying us for this. I'm just a, I'm an M and M's fan. So hey, if anyone from M and
2: M's is listening, send me some M and M's. I want to try them out for the game. Well, forget eating them. I mean, if there's a limited edition Super Bowl, You'd I'm going to go stick it in the freezer and I'm going to sell that thing on eBay a little hey, while from that, now. That's how Nathan thinks. That's uh, that's consumerism. All right, coming up in our next segment
1: barack obama was inaugurated this week he is now the 44th president of these united states and president obama is a sports fan he's not one of these guys who says don't bother me with sports and because he's a sports fan because he plays ball because he's from chicago there's a lot of impact across the sports world we're going to tell you about some of that that's coming up next you're listening to sports business radio And the official steakhouse of Sports Business
0: Radio. This is Sports Business Radio.
1: We are back, and Barack Obama was inaugurated this week as the 44th president of the United States. Definitely a historical week for our country, but it has far-reaching impacts on the sports world. First of all, I can't remember in my lifetime, I'm 40 years old, ever seeing a president that has been better received by not only the public, but by definitely the sports world. And some of the people that attended the inauguration included uh, Washington Nationals owner Mark Lerner, Pro Football Hall of Famer Ronnie Lott, NFLers Dwight Clark and Roger Craig, Basketball Hall of Famer and former Celtic Bill Russell, The Good Doctor was in the house Julius Irving, Eagles quarterback Donovan McNabb, Reds manager Dusty Baker. Uh, and then you had Don King, Magic Johnson, and the greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali, was there. And even Tiger Woods, I watched the, the concert uh, in front of the Lincoln Memorial last Sunday, and Tiger Woods spoke. And Tiger Woods has never spoken on a political platform or in an event having anything to do with politics. And he's been criticized by many people for not taking a stand and for kind of taking a page out of the Michael Jordan playbook of let's not do anything to damage our endorsements and let's not speak out or take a stand on any issues. And I listened to Tiger's speech and he didn't really take a stand on an issue. He talked about his father, Earl, and how his father was a vet and talked about the impact of the military on his life and growing up in a house where military personnel were coming in and out, and he was part of a military family. But I was proud of Tiger Woods for putting himself in that situation. And I guess my point, Nathan, is is that Barack Obama is going to have a lot of people – behind him and supporting
2: him and the sports world has really embraced it. Well yeah, I mean the sports world has definitely embraced it. There are some athletes out there, some very wealthy athletes who are concerned right now about their paychecks. We talked well, those about are those are selfish athletes. Those are selfish athletes, but but that there's a lot of them out there. We talked about it a couple weeks on this show that Barack's tax plan involves taxing people that make over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. There's a lot of athletes, most of which make more than that. But going back to Tiger Woods, I was disappointed with Tiger Woods until this moment because I felt like you need to at some point show that leadership off the field. And Tiger Woods, in terms of taking a political stance or taking a stance on any issue, I think was nervous about doing that because of his marketability and whether or not companies would choose to align themselves with Tiger Woods if he chose opposite of what their beliefs were.
1: Yeah, I think Tiger did the right thing. And he stood in front of, you know, over a million people. It, it looked like the scene from Forrest Gump where Tom Hanks is up there. Ironically, Tom Hanks was up there Jenny. giving a speech. Yeah, I wanted him to go, Jenny! And and I wanted some woman to, like, run through the, the lake there at uh, the mall. <laughs> the mall? The fountain? Yeah, the fountain. But uh, it didn't happen. I guess that would have been kind of unprofessional and ruined the moment. But... Uh, if you haven't seen that concert on HBO, I'll tell you, it was awesome. It was one of the great concerts. I've seen uh, unbelievable collection of, of musicians and people that came together. I digress, but um, I just thought it was good that, you know, so many people, LeBron James, uh, all these people that really didn't embrace politics or take a stand on anything. LeBron got heavily criticized this summer for not taking a stand on Uh, Anything having to do with uh, China's policies when he was at the Olympics in Beijing. He's come out. He's hosted Barack Obama in Cleveland for uh, a political stop. And, you know, it's interesting— that some of these athletes who weren't involved in politics and were more concerned with their endorsement deals, now they're coming out and they're taking a stand for something, and I think
2: that's a very good sign. No, I think it's a very good sign for sports, and I think it's a very good sign for everyone. My sister was fortunate enough to be at the, uh, the inauguration this entire week and talked at length about what it meant to have all of an entire nation coming together and everybody supporting the same cause. And, uh, you know, we all feel like we're part of something right now, and I think the athletes do too, and that's why they're moved to speak out and be a part of this. Now it's not just just color, black, white, race. It's everyone supporting the same great cause, which I think is fantastic.
1: Well, I think for the first time in a long time, and I don't want to get into politics here, but I think people in this country uh, have hope. We didn't have a lot of hope the last eight years. And it's been pretty depressing. So I think people are happy to turn the page and, and they have new hope. It's kind of like the beginning of a of a new sports season when your team is zero and zero and you're thinking, this is the, the year. Cubs. You, yeah, we're going to make the playoffs this year. So, you know, we'll see how it all works out. Now, uh, President Obama is a big sports fan. So, I mean, he plays basketball. There's been talk about another basketball court being put into the White House and Magic Johnson has said he'll come play, and he bets Michael Jordan and Larry Bird would would join the group. And, I mean, they could have some pretty good pickup games there in the White House. If the president invites you to come play, you're probably not going to turn him down. But where I think uh, President Obama is going to have a big impact is 2016. We're trying to get the Olympics, the Summer Olympics, on U.S. soil. And Chicago is amongst the finalists for that venue. And I think because of the fact that Barack Obama is from Chicago and because he will probably go in front of the IOC and plead with them to bring the Olympics to the United States and to Chicago, I think that you've got to make Chicago the favorites for hosting those 2016 Olympics. And it would be ironic because 2016 could be President Obama's swan song if he does do two terms. And uh, I just think it would be a nice end to his legacy. Who, knew, who knows what it's going to be? But uh, I think he could be a very instrumental player in getting the Olympics back here on U.S. soil in 2016.
2: Well, it's funny how that's changed. I mean, we talked like three or four months ago about what some of the finalist cities were for the 2016 Olympics. And we were talking about Chicago as probably not a likely candidate for that. And then as, as the election grew near and we realized that Barack Obama had a chance at winning it, we started talking about Chicago as a front runner. And I think that the, the IOC and everybody around the world will see what Barack Obama can do in terms of bringing people together. We saw how successful Grant Park was during his election night and how peaceful that was. And I think that that, was, that played a big part in why they may get the 2016 Olympics.
1: President Obama, you guys are too young, but there used to be some commercials for E.F. Hutton. And the tagline was, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. When President Obama talks, people listen. Whether it's here in the United States, whether it's in Europe where hundreds of thousands of people turned out to see him when he was over there, whether it's in front of the IOC, this is someone who has the ear of the most important people in the world. And when he speaks, people listen. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, anything from Could we finally see the end of the BCS system and a playoff system to the 2016 Olympic Games? You know,
2: if President Obama weighs in on something, people are going to listen. Well, yeah, and we heard George Mitchell's name get brought up again this week. Uh, He's going to be part of the Barack camp, if you will. I think he's going to be a—Bobby should jump in here and tell us what he's going to be. But, you know, he's going to be a significant part of the campaign, which I find ironic because Barack Obama never mentioned— when he was interviewed on ESPN during Monday Night Football, that steroids, that he'd be tough on steroids. And I'm interested to see what his, you know, how he'll handle the steroid policy. Bobby, uh, do you have anything to say on this? Yeah,
0: he'll be the special envoy to handle Middle East area, just trying to reform and bring peace together.
1: So how'd you like to be George Mitchell? Which would you rather do in the span of five years? Do the Mitchell report and bring down Roger Clemens and all these other guys, or do the job that Bobby just described?
0: Uh, You know, I'm going to go ahead and do the foreign affairs. I think it's got
2: a bigger impact.
1: Oh, I'm sure it has a bigger impact. I'm just
2: saying I don't (laughs) think they care about Roger Clements over there. I don't
1: don't think either project would be a whole lot of fun to work on. I know he made a boatload from the Mitchell report, though. So, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. George Mitchell, very versatile person, as they would say. All right. Some other things related to President Obama. You know, here's a president that next to Elvis Presley— President Barack Obama has sold more merchandise in the last year than any human being in the United States. And Elvis Presley's not a lie, but everyone knows that he's kind of like the gold standard. There's all those Elvis freaks out there still that go out and buy their Elvis stuff. And, but from commemorative coins to anything that you stamp President Obama's face on, it's selling right now, whether it's a T-shirt, a coin, uh, a hat, anything – Nathan, there were more things related
2: to the sports world this week that uh, are supposedly going to be on the market near you. Well, and and I'm, I'm one of those people that owns a Barack Obama shirt, and ironically enough, the Barack Obama shirt that I own is Barack Obama's name in a Cubs logo, which doesn't really fit because Barack Obama is, as we know, a White Sox fan, and the White Sox are trying to come up with an official President Barack Obama hat. And if uh, the White Sox or if the White House approves the design, sales will go to charity. And uh, so it's a great cause. And I could see this being a huge selling hat, especially in Chicago. Well, and rumor has it that
1: he's going to throw out the first pitch on opening day for the White Sox. He's a big White Sox fan. And, you know, he's been spotted wearing a White Sox jersey. And, uh, you know, this could be big business for the Sox. And it is good. I'm glad to see that. Proceeds will will go to charity. Now, the other person who used to play in Chicago, some guy number 23, uh, not Ryan Sandberg, but... Uh, uh, is it Michael Jordan? Yeah, Michael Jordan. And uh, the Jordan brand also has something interesting that they're doing in Conjunction with uh, President Obama.
2: Well, yeah, earlier this week, uh, the Jordan brand celebrated Inauguration Day with the release of two-player edition Jordan Pure Pressure sneakers for Hawks guard Mike Bibby and Joe Johnson. Both sneakers feature a patriotic colorway with red and blue stripes flowing across the white midsole, and they're going to go on sale at the House of Hoops by Footlocker in Chicago this week, and so really cool. We see this happen all the time, though. We see Nike or Adidas or any of these other shoe and clothing companies have some sort of commemorative logo on their shoes. Do you think there was a Bill Clinton or Jimmy Carter shoe?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just, you know, the thing that's funny is that President Obama, he's like young, he's hip. He was like, you know, busting a move at the inauguration balls. And uh, you know, you can see where people are going to sell merchandise
2: around him and like he's out playing basketball. He's active. He transcends age, which is fantastic. You've got youth who are the who are the primary target audience for going out and buying these shoes. And you've got older people who you can merchandise other things, too. So it's really pretty amazing. I don't think there are a lot of people out there looking for Bill Clinton sneakers or George Bush.
1: But it's going to be interesting because I've seen, um, you know, Nike. He wears Nike gear when he's playing hoops. For the inauguration this week, no one really said anything about it until after the fact. But J. Crew totally outfitted the first family, and you know the reason that they went with J. Crew is because J. Crew is seen as like an affordable every man option that you know male or female
2: can go out and and buy those every clothes. Every man, I love J. Crew, but I don't know that I'd go so far as to say it's affordable every man. Well, look, option. it's
1: not like he's buying Armani or. You know the super, you know the twenty five thousand dollars suit. So it's much more affordable. You can go to a retail store and buy it. it. The the common person can't go buy a twenty five thousand dollars suit off the rack. So I know you roll around in those kind of suits, but and and (laughs) Bobby does too because he wears suits so often. I don't think I've ever. You know, the only time I've ever seen Bobby in a tie was at your wedding, Nathan. Wow, Bobby. I thought you wore a tie. Oh man! Oh, I, Bobby didn't even wear a tie to my wedding.
2: Wow. All right. Well, then he, I've never seen him in a tie. I thought maybe he wore a tie for that day. But that's the image that Barack Obama is trying to convey: is that he is the everyday man, and uh, you know, and I think people relate to that. Yeah, I think so too. And I think uh,
1: you know, from the way he's used uh, multimedia and the internet, uh, and he's supposedly going to do some blogging, and you know, all these other things, uh, it's going to be an interesting administration. But, you know, from a sports standpoint, I'll be interested to see what is different in the world of sports eight years from now, whether it's the college football uh, division one system or, uh, you know, has the Olympics gotten back on American soil? What are some of the changes that he may affect? And one of the biggest changes that we've already started to see this week, as we already discussed, is athletes who didn't speak out before are speaking out now. And I think if that's the one change that happens, that's terrific.
2: Well, yeah, but, you know, we talk about presidents that are sports fans. George Bush was associated as the owner, right, or the GM of the Rangers. So you didn't really see him do much with sports except for steroids. I hope Barack Obama does more than George Bush did. All right, we've got one more segment on
1: this edition of Sports Business Radio. Some big news to share with you from Wrigley Land. We'll tell you about that coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training monitoring and feedback, We'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com.
0: The website is sportsbusinessradio.com.
1: Well, it looks like the Ricketts family has been selected by the Tribune company as the winning bidder for the Chicago Cubs. The winning bid worth $900 million. The sale is going to include the Cubs, uh, Wrigley Field, and a 25% interest in a regional sports network. This according to the Chicago Tribune. This is interesting, you guys. Uh, The family who... Bought this team now, the Ricketts family. They're a member of the founding family of TD Ameritrade Holding Corporation. And uh, Tom Ricketts, who's probably going to end up running the Cubs, grew up watching the Cubs on WGN. He once lived in an apartment above a bar across the street from Wrigley Field. He met his wife in the bleachers at a Cubs game, and his father... Joe Ricketts, again, founded Ameritrade and became a leading online stockbroker, but Tom never worked
2: for that company. Interesting news. Oh, very interesting. I would love to have had Mark Cuban, but as a Cubs fan, this gives me hope that maybe someday I'll own the team as well. Uh, Good luck with that one. It's going to be like, by the time I'm able to, it's going to be like $2 billion. Yeah. $2 billion. Uh, just quickly wanted
1: to say The first annual EA Sports Tiger Woods Wii Tournament Was held this week at Nathan's house He and his lovely wife Kyle hosted the tournament I came in last place and uh, But it was good times And I'll tell you, I had not played Tiger Woods On the Wii, it is fantastic And I'm a winner But I have good drives, my you putting puttin stinks Terrible putter, similar to oh, on the golf course Boy, it, it's really, really bad Alright, our show staff, Nathan Roach Bobby Corser, who from now on is going to be dubbed our auto racing and political expert. Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors Morton's The Steakhouse, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, ProTrade.com, and Evergreen Media Training. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. Become our Facebook friend. Go to the Sports Business Radio blog, look for the link to our Facebook page, become one of our friends, and join the people from all over the world that are becoming our friends. And uh, there's interesting chatter you can write on walls. It's really interesting, this Facebook stuff. I'm kind of getting used to it. All right. Have a tremendous week. Next week, hopefully, we're going to talk to someone from Anheuser-Busch. We'll give you more previews of Super Bowl 43. You've been listening to Sports Business Radio. Have a great week.